to go. What is up, gamer? Welcome to another day on the podcast. Today's major news is a follow-up to something we talked about yesterday, which is Wizards of the Coast altering their open gaming license for Dungeons and Dragons. So a couple of new developments, it looks like uh, we'll come out and say at first that Dungeons and Dragons is, or Wizards of the Coast, more correctly, is pulling back the changes to the open gaming license that we talked about. So everything is staying the same as of now. Wizards of the Coast put out a statement outlining why they're pulling back this open gaming license and what their intention was behind the changes that they were proposing. So it looks like there's a lot of miscommunication and it seems to be, in my opinion, a matter that's pretty complicated and I'm not sure what, what I would do if I were in their shoes. So let's kind of, let's go through this and let's explore what's actually happening here. So if you didn't catch yesterday's podcast, Wizards of the Coast wanted to change their licensing so that they could capture more of the income that's generated by Dungeons and Dragons. The idea being that content creators that created their own campaigns and sold them for a profit, if you reach the threshold of $750,000 of sales in a, in a calendar year, you would have to pay royalties back to Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro for utilizing their intellectual property. The issue is in the in the framework, right? So rolling the dice, all that kind of thing. The issue is that because Dungeons and Dragons is so customizable, I talked about this yesterday. I had a friend who created a, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that was ducks in World War II. So because the content is so customizable, it gets really, really sticky from a business perspective, right? Because Wizards of the Coast, they put out this statement, they said they wanted to accomplish three goals. One, they wanted to ensure that none of the D&D intellectual property was used in what they claim to be uh, a hateful way uh, or discriminatory. Second, they wanted to address issues where or instances where people are attempting to use D&D in Web3 blockchain games and NFTs. And third, they wanted to make sure that the the update protected individual content creators, aspiring game designers, and the community at large from any changes. So they still want people to be able to make World War II games with ducks, but they want to also ensure that they're capturing some of the the profits that are generated by large corporations, what they describe as large corporations. So I dug into this a little bit deeper, and there are a couple of companies that create D&D style campaigns, and they sell them as though they were attached to Wizards of the Coast. So there is one called Piazzo, 
I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Paizo might be how it's pronounced. Either way, they create campaigns that are set in what looks like sci-fi worlds. So you play uh, Pathfinder or Starfinder, and those are created by a third-party company. They're not Wizards of the Coast, but they're using the same framework that Wizards of the Coast is using, right, for D&D. Now, the owner of that company is going wild, man. He's going all in. And it's, it's an interesting campaign, right? And it's interesting that we're talking about D&D specifically because it looks like a D&D campaign from an outside perspective. You have, on one hand, you have your, your raid party in Wizards of the Coast that are searching for this treasure inside this dungeon of open source licensing. How do you, how do you manage it? Who's taking advantage of it? So there are like goblins and everywhere, right? at least from a business perspective. And I, I'm framing Wizards of the Coast here as the heroes, but you you could frame the creators as the heroes and D&D as the, as the dragon here, or Wizards of the Coast. But it, it, it's, it's fascinating because on the one hand, you should, fans should want Hasbro and D&D to continue to make money to be stewards of, of the original game and the original framework, right? At least in my opinion, you want the, the original product to continue to thrive and evolve and change. But also you want, as a company, you want to ensure that you're protecting the community, that you are being a good steward of that game, which Wizards of the Coast fully admits to. So, I found it. I found it kind of interesting. They, you, in their statement, they said they rolled a one. They rolled a one. They they didn't put out a good proposal for changes to the open gaming license. So it, it's this campaign for D and D right now that we're watching play out is pretty. It's pretty wild. Now this Piazzo company or Paizo, they fully plan to enshrine the original open gaming license with a uh, another corporation i'm not sure exactly how that process works how that looks i don't know if they just summon in something and the document becomes part of the rules of the game i don't know exactly what's going to happen of course they have lawyers involved one of which was the lawyer who created the original open gaming license so that the original should be intact in some way. I hope that Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro work together with these companies to ensure that they're meeting what their their objectives, right? Because as a company, you don't you don't want people using your property to look like you or to impersonate you to sully your reputation. You don't want to be attached to random people on the internet. You just, you just, that's not what you want. You want to be able to protect your, your property and your reputation. So that's, that's what Wizards of the Coast is trying to do. It's kind of, it's an interesting problem that they face. And it's kind of unique to D&D. Because again, D&D is so 
open as a concept that I, I don't know how you would appropriately accomplish the goals that Wizards of the Coast is trying to accomplish. It It's a very sticky situation and one that they are going to have to roll a 20 on if they're going to get out of this and and do it perfectly in a way that satisfies the creators, the fans, and ensures that their products are being used in the way that they intend it to be used. So good luck to Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they're going to need a wizard to help them figure this out because it's it's a tough, tough situation. So moving on from that, as you know, by the time we talk the next episode, we will all have seen The Last of Us TV show. Now, I've run across a couple of articles so far uh, discussing it, and one that caught my eye was a post from Polygon claiming that, you know, the of course it was the director, but the headline obviously has to be enticing. So the headline was that The Last of Us was, quote, the greatest game in the greatest story in video games ever told, end quote. The, the greatest story ever told, period. That's the That was the headline. So I opened this article and I started digging around through it. What's going on here? Is this more BS? Uh, is it just them promoting the show and... Yes, and partially yes, were the answers. It looks like, obviously, they're promoting the show, but it looks like it was deception just to get clicks, either hate clicks or love clicks or, you know, whatever. So, good marketing, I suppose. We'll chalk it up to that. No real harm done there. It's an opinion. That opinion was shared by the show's director, and he obviously is is pumping up his product now tied to this is the last of us multiplayer game so so according to naughty dog they've been working on the last of us multiplayer since before two came out so two came out three years ago we're going on three years since the release of two apparently they've been working on it for at least four years and they claim that it's the most ambitious project that they've embarked upon, which I, I don't I, I don't know how much to put into the statements like that, because I feel like like CDPR said they had the most ambitious project. Uh, Bethesda is saying they have the most ambitious project they're working on. Uh, Kojima Productions is saying they're I mean, it the list goes on and on and on. I don't know how much stock to put into somebody saying that a game is ambitious. Ambitious is is kind of a nebulous word. What, what does ambitious mean? Ambitious in storytelling, ambitious in game style, ambitious in how many people you can shove onto a server. What about it is ambitious? He didn't specify what was ambitious about The Last of Us multiplayer. He just said that it was going to be something that expanded the universe and brought people into more of the story, obviously in a multiplayer fashion. I don't, he didn't say anything beyond that. Nobody knows at this point what that actually is going to look like. So the, the show is intended in part, I believe to drum up interest in the last of us universe to expand it from 
purely games into the medium of TV and to expand the audience and get people interested in the IP as a whole. Now, the question here is, is there enough story content within the Last of Us universe to, one, create a multiplayer game, and two, move beyond the two games, the two core games? Is there enough content there to really work with? Now, I I enjoyed both games. Well, I enjoyed playing the first one. I enjoyed watching PewDiePie play the second one. I think that the second one had good beats to it, and it certainly got me talking about it. I just think that it was flip-flopped. It was it was done in the wrong order. Now, you can debate that and say, well, it was done, obviously, in the order that was intended to be done. But, you know, teach their own opinion. Regardless, they're both good stories. I don't know where you go from there. You could, I suppose, continue to talk about different factions like The Walking Dead did. You could talk about different sectors of the world. You could talk, I mean, you could you could do these things, but I feel that like The Walking Dead at some point is going to get stale. It's just going to, I don't know how many people finished all seven or eight seasons of The Walking Dead. Eleven seasons? I don't know. I gave up after the third one. It, it was good for three seasons, and then after that, I got bored. My wife watched it all the way through, so obviously there are people that are going to be engaged in that kind of thing. My question is, how many people are going to stay engaged with it for that long? How much universe is there to tell within The Last of Us that we haven't already seen? Especially because of shows like The Walking Dead. And The Last of Us is going to take up that mantle. As you probably know, The Walking Dead just ended like literally this month or last. And The Last of Us is coming out in three days. So more zombies. I I just don't. I don't know if people are going to be burnt out on zombies. My gut tells me that probably, you know, this is a little bit different because it's not your typical zombies. It's, it's, uh, a parasitic zombie infestation, but it's essentially the same story. And how much are people willing to listen to the same story? I don't know. We'll find out what happens with the multiplayer game. Again, I can't, I, I apparently am not creative enough to think of how you do a multiplayer game in that universe. But of course, we all know that I am admittedly a smooth brain. I don't know much about anything. I I just sit here and read and relay to you what I think is interesting. And which leads to some some degree of imposter syndrome, like I'm playing a, a real life game of Among Us, just pretending to go about here and be a podcaster and know about things. And I do know about things. I just I'm not creative in that way. I don't I don't <laughs> I just don't know how they would do a multiplayer game. I don't know what that would even look like, especially in that universe. But that's why I've never been a dungeon master, right? Anyway, let's let's talk about one more thing, and then let's get on with sucking today's dick and getting that bread, yo. All right, so, again, talking about movie adaptations of video games, Dead Space may be getting a movie adaptation. It may not. 
It may not, but it may be. So somebody talked to John Carpenter, the creator of Halloween, director of Halloween, and he's considered to be a master of horror. Whether whether that's true or not, whether you know, obviously it's an opinion. He said that he believes another director is already working on a Dead Space movie. Or that somebody has been in contact with another director for a Dead Space movie. That's that that's the claim that he made. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what he's he's going with. Of course, we've talked about the fact that Dead Space is getting a remake. It'll be released January 27th on all the major consoles. Obviously not Switch, but <laughs> hopefully it'll be on Game Pass like the originals were. And I can play the remaster, hopefully. But it, it it's interesting to see this many attempts at TV and movie adaptations and video games. I know that's always happened, and it may just be me, but it feels like there are so many attempts at adapting video games into movies and TV that it, it, it feels like the beginning of the golden age of the merger between TV and games. I, I just don't recall a time before this where games were being, being used as reference material like books historically have been for movies so could be interesting could be absolutely awful again using the example of books you know movie adaptations of books are historically not super great the one that comes to mind for me is ready player one that was an entirely different story and it pisses me it still pisses me off that they called it Ready Player One, and it was an entirely different story. Entirely different. Um, which I suppose is fine. You, you can take these things at face value. But you can't do that with, uh, with a video game, right? Reading a book is one thing. Slapping a new title on it, having an entirely different story is one thing. But with a video game, I mean, it's not like you have one author who controls the universe and like writes the universe what happens with video games is you have players who are interacting with guidelines that were set up for the universe now the creators can tell a specific story but video games work only because you get to make choices or at least you have the illusion of making choices so the story feels intimate and connected to you as an individual so when you when you mess with that and that video essay that i was talking about with halo it's a good example like when you screw with that when you screw with the illusion by taking master chief's freaking helmet off when you screw with that things fail and it, it it's bad 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 hopefully adaptations of video games don't continue to be awful and go in that direction fingers crossed it's not looking super great but i could be super wrong who knows we as i say too often we will find out i have some hope that video games will get 
good, decent adaptations in TV and movies, specifically because Hideo Kojima is specifically attempting to do that himself, and The Last of Us is a good way to show TV producers who apparently don't even play video games. <clears throat> Halo. Halo. Those guys suck, by the way. Anyway, it's a good way to show TV producers, traditional media producers, how to how to adapt video games to TV. So, I'm rooting for The Last of Us because, not because of the story, per se, but because it could be a good entryway into teaching people, teaching show producers how to do video games correctly. If you do it correctly, you already have an ingrained fan base. You already have people who are going to watch and enjoy the show. You just have to do it correctly. So I'm cheering for The Last of Us. Should be a good show. The reviews, again, Grand Assault reviews say that it's, it's good. It's faithful to the game. We're going to find out here in two days. So with that, you have a good rest of your day. I will catch you on Monday. We're going to talk about the show. We're going to talk about some other things. And I'm going to do my best to convince Squirrely and Passions to do the weekend show because working in hospitality, man, Friday nights are, that is prime bread that I'm there every Friday night if I can be. So unless, unless you help us turn this into a full-time job. I would love to do this full-time. I sincerely, sincerely would. So I appreciate you listening. I love that you're sticking around. I would love to talk to you guys. Uh, I know you're out there. So hit us up on Facebook, search WCG podcast. You'll find us there. You'll find an evergreen link to, to the discord. Let us know what's going on. And uh, hopefully you'll be talking to Passions and Squirrely tomorrow. So with that, guys, I'm out. I'll see you Monday. Peace.